0: you have to try to get the job that you want while you're working in the job that you have um i always somebody once said to me you know um you shouldn't just be doing the role that you're given you should be doing the role you want because it'll just show more and more initiative it'll just show what you're capable of
1: Hey fellow marketers, welcome to another episode of the Marketing Careers podcast presented by MarketingHelp.co, your number one resource for advancing and accelerating your marketing career. First, quick thanks for our premier sponsor, LinkedIn Learning. Listen, if you're looking to find the next marketing course, hard skills course, go to themarketinghelp.co forward slash LinkedIn Learning. All right, our guest today, great guest today, is Denise McNichol. And Denise is the Director of Marketing Operations for Rite Aid. Yes, Rite Aid, you know the brand. Now, listen, this is not Denise's first time working for a big-name brand in her career. She's actually worked for a couple other large brands, uh, specifically Lennox China and the Merchandising Powerhouse, QVC. Now, Denise is uniquely qualified to offer some great insights on how she was able to land marketing roles inside these large brands. Um but the other interesting thing she shares is how she gained so much valuable experience by working in different roles inside of these companies. Uh, so she's going to sh- share some tips there. Now, there is value in finding the right challenges in that same company for multiple years. And Denise is going to share exactly how to do that. Now, after listening to this episode, I'm sure you're going to want to work with Denise. And the good news is she's actually hiring at Right Aid. And these are remote roles. So check the show notes for more information on how to connect with Denise and how to find those roles. So let's get into my conversation with the Director of Marketing Operations at Rite Aid, Denise McNichol. Hey, fellow marketers. Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast. I've got a great episode for you today and a great guest. Denise McNichol, Director of Marketing Ops from Rite Aid. Denise, welcome to the episode. Eric, thank you. So um, as you know, Career Moments episode, and I just want to jump in because here are a couple of things I recognize when looking at your LinkedIn profile. One, um, strong background and experience in retail, e-commerce, operations. And I guess my first question is, is that, is that was that planned? Is that a path you wanted to find when you graduated?
0: Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was very just sort of serendipitous. And I actually think that's one of the, the best things that could have ever happened in my career. Because um, it did give me a lot of flexibility of moving to different roles and taking on new responsibility. And um, you know, it just I think helped me overall to be a better marketer.
1: Got it. So the first role you had in this space was with with the was it China manufacturer Lennox, right? or Lennox, however they yes. however they go. Now, how did you end yeah, up getting yeah. that first role? How did you end up getting that first role? Because, you know, it it just, was it something that was just available or you wanted to work for that type of company?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, my career actually started before that too. So, right. So I got out of college and the first role I had, I worked for a B2B company. I was doing product marketing. Then I went to an like a environmental, institutional marketing uh, company. Neither of those were for me. I just... Um, didn't, I learned a lot, but didn't necessarily feel passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So at the time, uh, this was around like 2001, um, you know, I had got re- recently kind of stepped back and said, all right, what do I want to do differently? And I wanted to, to get into a company that was really had um, a strong history. So I saw this role for, for Lennox. And now if you go back 20 years or so, you know dinnerware china that was like a big thing in people's lives um not not as much anymore it's the you know environments changed and people's tastes have changed but i was excited because i saw that it was really focused on merchandising and i i from all my previous experiences felt like that was the best kind of place for me to harness all the different pieces of marketing. So um, that's what excited me. Getting into a company with a really strong history, um, you know, an opportunity to jump into to merchandising and and direct a consumer, and you know, just um, venture into something new. That hopefully it could last a little bit longer than my prior roles. I wanted mm-hmm. to stay somewhere for a uh, for a duration.
1: Sure, and, and and I like how you realized in the first couple of years after college. Here's what I don't want to do you took the Mm -hmm. job to take the job and then you realize, nope, it's not going to be that. Let me focus on something else. Refocus your passions, ended up at Lennox. but you were there for over nine years or about nine years, I guess. Right. So something like something about the role and your, your path there from your first role to the last role you had, tell us about that path in terms of how did you get promoted or how did you advance your, your, your place there?
0: Sure. So when I joined the company, they were sort of riding a wave of really strong numbers, really strong, you know, success, and we were growing. And um, you know, I joined the company and it started um, by supporting merchandising of the catalogs business, which was a significant piece of of their their revenue. So I got involved with that, and you know, I was. Lucky enough to have kind of entered where, like I said, riding this sort of wave of success where they started to expand more and more catalogs and there was more opportunity then. So um, as I got versed in kind of all the methodology and the merchandising and and the the specifics about it, um, you know, I, I, I was good at it. And, um, you know, I was given more opportunity as we had more to grow and more to do. And so gradually, um, you know, took on more responsibility and a, a bigger piece of owning my own production of catalogs from start to finish concept to merchandising and um, analytics, the whole piece to, down to the, the very end. Um, what you know was interesting to me was I probably spent two years in that role. And then it, this was at the height. Of the boom of mm. like e ecom, yeah. so it was when you know suddenly every business started transitioning into like a digital retailer, and it was it was the hot thing to do. So I was lucky to really also get the opportunity at the same time to dip my toe into that because they needed support, um, and I, I was able to to really get a lot of learning about the digital space at a really pivotal time in the industry, and I, I got my toes wet in like helping redesign sites to helping to, to build email, which was brand, you know, a newer Mm -hmm. kind of, um, lever for them. So I was able to, to really get my, myself in a good position to have both the print piece and this new and emerging piece of commerce that, um, I wanted to be part of going forward. So my, um, position grew, you know, we had a lot of changes and I would be, um, you know, kind of remiss to say, as the company was changing, I was changing, and and the company did take a downturn, and and a lot of you know we were re- right sizing the organization. So by default, <laughs> I got a lot of responsibility tossed my way, yeah. um, and I had uh, a yeah. lot of really pivotal leaders who were joining the company at that time, who have gone on to some really great things, and I'm proud to have kind of been under them because I learned. So much. So I guess, um, you know, just to sort of sum it up, I started at a very entry level position um, where I wanted to learn. The, the business and the industry were kind of changing at the same time. And I, I sort of wrote the coattails of that to get, to get more knowledge. And then we had leadership changes, which then helped to, you know, escalate my career. But uh, I think even more than status in the organization, what, what it benefited me was I learned so much about an omni-channel business at the time that omni-channel was emerging.
1: So and that, that's a great summary of tackling a lot of things, either both that you did control, meaning ask for more responsibility and things you didn't control, meaning by default, Hey, Denise, are you busy? Can you take on this other responsibility? So for those listening that maybe want to take that path of, you know, promotion is in their, is in their crosshairs. They want to get promoted at some point in the next couple of years at their company. Since you did it, what, what is the advice you would give to somebody who wants to get promoted? How do you ask for, for more responsibility?
0: I think it's a couple of things. Number one, I think you have to be direct and you have to be over and you you can't expect anyone to read your mind like, oh, she's ready or he's ready. Like you have to tell people what you want and you have to find that right person in the organization to sort of get their ear. So, you know, I, you you speak up and you, you have to have a voice because you're the only one who can, um, you're your biggest advocate. So, I would say have your have a voice of your own career. I think also, you know, just you have to just I, I, I truthfully think you also have to own it and you have to try to get the job that you want right. while you're working in the job that you have. Um, I always somebody once said to me, you know, um, you shouldn't just be doing the role that you're given. You should be doing the role you want, because It'll just show more and more initiative. It'll just show what you're capable of. Um so that would be the advice. don't just sit on your laurels and wait for it to come to you. you You got to step out and take it take ownership of it and and really put yourself out there and show your your potential um, versus just expecting somebody to to discover you, I guess.
1: Exactly. I love it. and and I think unfortunately, a lot of marketers walk into these positions, resting on their, their accomplishments that got them the job and then they kind of coast thinking that that's going to get them the promotion. And then there's the hard worker, the person who's sure. looking to get things done that gets that gets uh, promoted before them. So were you, were you managing a team of people at your time at Linux?
0: Uh yeah, I had a very small team. I had two. Towards the end of my 9 years there, I I did have um some direct reports, but it was it was small. Um it was one or two. And we had interns, so that was great, you know, to really um to to have some new eyeballs on the business and get their insight. But yeah, it was it was relatively small staff.
1: And and since that was your first time becoming a manager of people, I guess my question there would be uh what was the biggest learning from that cuz again, for all of us that have been there we all have that moment of yeah. like, oh, crap, what I got to do? I got to have to do what now? Uh, wh- what are your reflections when it comes yeah. to that first time you're managing people? What's a tip you could give somebody?
0: You know, I, I would say be clear. Really, I learned a lot at that time. I Like you said, never managed people before. And I was also you know, very early point of my career. So I was managing people who had more experience than I in some other areas and had more tenure just working. So I really needed to kind of sh- understand people more than just the job. And, you know, I look back in hindsight and I, I, I there are things I would have approached differently, but I really learned how to be a listener um, versus being... <laughs> The only way I can say it is a control freak, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was really hard to let go. Sure. And I had to, I felt such this ownership of, of things as, as having done and been in the weeds before. So the big shift was, okay, let other people own things, let them have responsibility. You want people to support you and you got to trust and hand off and you got to listen to what other people are telling you. Cause, cause they're there to help. Um, I think in some ways I looked at it almost like, Oh my God, I have, you know, I don't want anybody to outshine me. I'll be honest. And, and then I was like, nah, not the way to go. Cause I'm, right. I'm without people, you're kind of fail.
1: Yeah. And it reminds me of something I was told once, which was when it comes to managing people for the first time, it's not that they work for you, it's you work for them. So you're, you're yeah. there as their manager to help them Achieve what they want to achieve. If they don't know what they want to achieve, you help them figure it out. And once you figure it out, then you give them the push to continue leaning into that so that they uh, become a better person under your watch uh, uh, over the time that they're with you. So good stuff. So, I mean, it sounds like a very formative, the formative years at Lennox in terms of getting you indoctrinated into Mm -hmm. what is its own language, which is merchandising and introduced to e commerce. And then you could move on to QVC. So how how did that happen? How did you get your role at QVC?
0: I was very lucky to have worked with somebody at Lennox who um, had moved to QVC and taken on a new role a couple years before. and and she and I um, had stayed in touch. And you know I, I was she knew the challenges and she left um, had for more you know opportunity and wanted to to branch out. And so I just stayed in touch with her. And as, you know, new roles arose, I was, I was a nudge, I'm sure. Um, and I just, you know, I would check in and just, we didn't even back then, you know, Facebook, everything was sort of emerging at that time. Right. And, and I didn't, I just continued to email her and I would text her and I was really like, how's it going? If there's any openings, let me know. Um, and there were a couple times it wasn't, I didn't make it on the first shot. I'll put it this way. I got she helped me get in the door for a number, uh, a couple of different interviews. I started trying to get into merchandising right. um, and, you know, there was a QVC as a merchandising machine. Um, so I, I hadn't didn't have the scope that they were looking for of, of or the size of experience that they were looking for. So I just kept going another position came up. It was, again, it was for a catalog opportunity with a, an internal magazine that didn't pan out. Um, and then the third time was the charm. There was um, a role that was opening up on, on this friend's team. Um, and she, uh, they were looking for somebody who had a hybrid of product merchandising sort of sales um, uh, skills and somebody who had an econ background because that's where the business was really pivoting to. Sure. Um, you know, without her, I'd never would have gotten there.
1: Right. So that's the, I think so uh, a-
0: she helped um get my partner there.
1: Yeah. I think it's a great tip in terms of um staying close to your network because you never know what where and how your network's going to help you. Uh but also never give right. up because it was third time was the charm in terms of finding that role. Now QVC obviously was a, a brand that you felt you wanted to work for, probably on your, your top list of companies in the area to work for. Yep. For those that want to work at those companies, right? A lot of us want to work for the big names, the Comcast, the QVCs, the Wawas, the Facebooks, the Googles. What's, what's the tip on getting in? Sounds like there's some learnings you had in terms of what it takes to get finally into one of these larger companies when it comes to being, you know, finding that marketing role.
0: Yeah, it's tenacity. <laughs> um, you you absolutely have to follow up and consistently. If you think you're being a nudge, then then you haven't gone far enough. You need to be the nudge of all nudges. Um, you, you know, uh, you have to use networking. You've got to use every resource possible, and you got to do your research. Um, you know, that was one thing that I I was really passionate about. I, I didn't want to go in there. You're just expecting, you know. Here, this is QVC, This is a TV retailer. They were going through a massive change and really moving towards this digital um, side. And and I knew that's what they were looking for in the role. I did in my research. So when I when I came to the table for the interview, I I, I was prepared for the for the questions. But yeah, I, I I never would have gotten my foot in the door if I hadn't also continued to to stay in touch with my my friend, but I also stayed in touch with the HR folks. Um there was a woman who who I had interviewed with a couple of times and and she, you know, every time I would just sort of ping her and say, anything going on? So it it it's both get to know the people who are interviewing you, make sure you're leaning on the people that you already have established relationships re- relationship with and, and be as nudgy as possible because eventually It's, it's going to, something's going to happen. It may not be exactly what you want, but something.
1: (laughs) And and I love it. I think this is going to be my all time new favorite quote of be the nudge of all nudges. And that's the, that's the advice. Cause you, (laughs) like you said, you've got to be persistent. You got to follow up. Um, So your path at QVC, you were there again for a a handful of years, but in different roles. I think that's the key about your experience is that you've got into these companies You, you know, found a role that was aligned with their skill set at the time. And then you started to find different avenues and challenges within that company. So what were the other roles? I mean, you ended up getting into an ops role, operations role at QVC. So what was that transition like?
0: Yeah. Wow. I, I, I always would say to anybody who would ask me how long I had been there, I'd be like, oh, well, I've, you know, been here 10 years and I've probably had 13 bosses. And thirteen different roles, and um, people would be like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm like, "Oh, it's not a bad thing." I was like, "I, I, I think that was amazing. It, it was everything to me because, um, it, there were, it, to me, it, sh- it showed that number one." People felt I had the chops to be able to move around and, and to take on new areas of responsibility. And it also allowed me to just get stronger and understand the organization better. So um, I, I, it was one of the best things that could have happened. Um, you know, I jumped into a role when I first joined QVC. I jumped into a role that um, doesn't, didn't, it, you know, doesn't exist anymore. And mm-hmm. I left with a role that didn't exist when I got there. So um that I think is is uh, you know uh, in a feat of in and of itself is that you never know what your next job is going to be it may not even be there yet and so that is my story at QVC is that I was sort of the a, a guinea pig in a lot of senses of new roles that were being developed and so um you know as as the business changed there were new needs so uh, my first gig in there was was in a role called Selling strategies for TV, where we worked with the hosts and the guests to, to really um, educate them on product and, and how to sell it and how to really um, engage the customer. And I, I, I had no TV experience whatsoever. The only thing I knew about TV was I, I watched it. Um, so uh, that was brand new. I learned a lot about the TV piece, and, and it, that was critical for my growth there. Um, had I not Taken that role, I would never have understood the ecosystem of the business. You have, like, it was so important for me to really gain credibility. I then moved over, I switched categories. So that was like my first leap. I went over to um, the beauty business, which was, you know, a great experience. It was um, I'm, there were so many different nuances learning about how legal's involved and the things you can say and you can't say. And a lot of big personalities and and um, leaders as well as, you know, celebrities and experts and founders of companies. And then was when like a big flip came for me, we were going through a rework and they needed somebody to take on a specific initiative that the company was charging toward that was going to focus on beauty and um, a multi-channel experience for the beauty customer. So you take now what I've learned and I came in learning for TV and you pile on what I came from with e-commerce and marketing and all of that. And now the position was like the perfect fit for me. And it was it was a little bit of a revolutionary idea of of sort of having this multi-channel integrated marketing campaign. So that was, you know, that was job three and that was two years in. Wow. (laughs) So you want me to keep going? (laughs) Well, I was
1: going to say, I mean, just so many things from those those couple of years, because as we talk about on the show and our content about T-shaped marketer, the importance of being well-rounded. And I love how you said that, where you joined, when you look back on it, the job you had doesn't exist anymore. The job you left wasn't there when you started. To me, that's yeah. such a signal that says, listen, you know, it's almost counterintuitive. Most people nowadays feel like two years goes by, I got to get out, I got to find the next thing. Where the reality is, the regardless of the size of the company, if you walk in with an eyes wide open mentality that says, I'm looking to develop these skills, both vertically and horizontally, You can find those opportunities uh, if you're looking in the right places. So in your case, it was kind of a curious learner, never stopped learning, always willing to kind of pitch in where you could, leveraging the experiences that you had. And that was only in three years. So then there's a couple more years. What happened next?
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, And I got to say, too, the one thing that I was really privileged with going there and meeting and joining that company, I got to work for some really incredible leaders who also helped to navigate me through the organization because they knew what the company needed and they knew what I needed to succeed there. So that was not to be left unsaid like they were. Sure you know having strong leadership was a was a key piece of my growth so i you know i the role i mentioned where it was like a strategic initiative around beauty um that evolved into a brand new team and um the company then created a brand new team at the time content strategy and i, I do say that role was interesting because it was ahead of its time um companies weren't even building integrated marketing campaigns yet and andtc was thinking about it. So I, I felt privileged to, to be part of that. You know, as with any new role, you go through an experience like that and you're riding the roller coaster along with the, the leadership team and everyone. Because as you're building that, you're also determining, is it viable? Like, that's why you're doing it. It's a pilot. Um, is it viable? Can we roll it out to the whole organization? Is it something that we can create that's sustainable? And, you know, unfortunately we did it for about two and a half years. And then the realization was we, we, we had to figure out how to integrate what we were doing in the day-to-day right. because we couldn't build out more and more teams. Um, so, you know, that was, it was a high and a low. Um, I felt like I learned a lot and, Got my again. I was it, it was at the height of kind of when digital marketing was also taken off. Um, I had my had uh, the, the opportunity to really start to get involved at a very granular level before it became full blown. Um, so I left that role in content strategy, and and again yet another um, reorganization within the company, and and then I went to digital programming. So. Um it it sounds a lot sexier than it is but it was um <laughs> I was handling building the marketing calendars uh, for the homepage and for our apps and and had a you know there was a lot of resources dedicated to that based on who our customer is um at TBC it was a high retention brand and and customers were coming back um, frequently so it was a big job. and had a lot of eyeballs on it. Um, it's the front door of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned a lot there. And if anything, that's a side note, the number one job that helped me to understand what I'm doing now and to know what to avoid. Um, there were a lot of learnings from that. So I did that for about two and a half years. And then um, had the we, we had some new leadership within e-commerce and Digital, like I said, digital marketing was evolving. Um, great leader, Steve Bontempo. Mm. Met him, and he, um, he, he needed somebody to jump in and help as he was forming this team to lead a, a marketing development fund. Um, it was something, you know, a vendor uh, platform that vendors could um, contribute to for additional marketing support. And he needed somebody to head that up. So I, I took that on. And at the same time, he was building an influencer marketing team. it was brand new. And I was lucky enough to lead that. And it is probably one of the most successful things I can ever say I was part of. Um, it it was a down and dirty team of two. Um, then we added a third person. It's probably the biggest, one of the biggest acquisition channels at, at QVC and HSN right now. Um, that was, I, I, I've lost count. How many jobs was that? I think it might be six at that point. Um, so that gets me to kind of my uh, last two years at QVC, and, and you know, also at that time, QVC and HSN joined a merger. Mm-hmm. So I was suddenly now dealing with two companies. So now double the responsibility, more people, um, and and then my last role that kind of got me through QVC um, was launching digital ad operations um, in conjunction with continuing to lead um, the marketing development fund piece. And, um, that's sort of where all areas of my career sort of converged. And I suddenly like the skies opened up and everybody was like, oh, this is the perfect role for me. Um, this is w- who I am and where I belong. And by the way, this was like 23 years into my career. I finally figured out what I like was born to do. So
1: <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, all, all great tips and some great advice in there. Uh, especially that last piece about listen, you know, if you still feel like you haven't found your thing yet, it's probably because it's still being developed uh, as a marketer. Um, yeah, haven't found your stride yet. So the merger happens, like you said, more responsibilities, another company, integrating people. I mean, for anybody that goes through that in their life, and, and I hope marketers get to experience either side of that equation at some point in their career. What's the tip advice sure. to anybody who's going through that, either on the you're the larger company or the smaller company when it comes to any sort of merger acquisition.
0: Yeah. um, Number one advice would be don't get sucked into the rabbit hole of the swirl of what does this mean for me? And what does this mean for the company? Um, Nobody always, there's never um, a good answer and it's not consistent in any company. I think, you know, for us it was business as usual. We got to figure it out. So don't expect to have suddenly the skies open up and somebody hand you a manual on what this is supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like. You have to, everybody, any of the people I've worked with in the past, if they if, they're, if they listen to this and they hear this, they're going to giggle. But I always say live through the gray. The gray is like the muddiest, ugliest, ugliest part of of anything. But if you get past it, that's when things start to clear up. And so... So um, you have to be willing to muddle through the gray and find a way through it before you're kind of come out on the other side. And it it really builds character. So um, to me that, you know, you just have to hold on and you kind of got to work through it. And I always would say to myself, and I still say it to myself now in my current job, like, what can I control today? And let that that's all I can do right now. I cannot control everything. So let's focus on what we have, you know, um, you know, purview on it. And let's let's hone in on that and make the best it is versus trying to worry about things that are outside of our control.
1: Great, great advice. And I remember telling myself that same thing in uh, mergers and acquisitions I've been through in the past because you start to get caught up in the. Well, wait, what about this? What about this? Well, this? where there is no answer and being OK and having to yeah. operate with no answer, yet focusing on what you can control. Uh, so again, QVC sounds like just a huge opportunity for all the things that you mentioned in terms of the number of jobs, the number of uh, yeah. management exposures you had in terms of learning from from uh, a host of individuals. So then you move on to your current role and off you are yeah. now to Rite Aid in a marketing ops position. So again, like you said, you realize, hey, wait a minute, marketing operations is kind of the best of when it comes to the skills and experience that I have. So how did you get into Rite Aid and tell us a little bit about the role that you're doing and, and we'll get into this after the break, but, um, just give a, 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 a you've only been there a couple of months. So how'd you get the role and what are you doing there now?
0: Sure. So, um, you know, I I had been at QVC for, um, for about 10 and a half years and and I was ready to take the next leap in my career. And I would be remiss if I didn't say like, I really wanted to, to be able to take on more responsibility. So that was a huge thing for me. I was ready to take a next step. And I felt like in order to do that, I needed to go somewhere else. And I needed to sort of get more, uh, be immersed in maybe a different business model too. And I really also wanted to get into healthcare and Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go so far that um, I, I didn't, Feel like a little bit of a safety net with retail, so I what better than a, a drugstore and a pharmacy and like front end merchandising? So best the best hybrid I could have found. Um, so uh, yeah, found the role online and and I applied and I actually when I applied I was kind of like oh, I don't know if I want to do this and I said I kind of left it out there. I'm like you know what I'll let you know nature take its course. If, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I got a call and the rest is kind of history. Um, You know, it was, it was exciting. I I was psyched because I felt like it was a really incredible interview process. I went through a case study, I went through all this stuff and I really, at the end of it felt they know what I'm about and they still want me. So that's awesome. Um, So I joined the company and my role, you know, marketing operations, again, it's like this massive amoeba it's a new thing that doesn't really have structure yet because wherever you go, it can be different. Some companies look at marketing operations as sort of a UX and an analytics kind of role. Some organizations look at it as a creative operations and some look at it as creative operations and more. And that's really kind of where I am now, the creative operations and more. So my first 90 days has been Discovery, um, trying to understand what the who the right people are, you know, defining my job, understanding the way things work, and understanding what's wrong and broken. And um, you know, I we joke with my ninety days there. I'm like, I feel like I've been there seven years, <laughs> <laughs> and most of it's been drinking from a fire hydrant. Um, yeah. But it's been it's been intense. But I do feel like. And it's sometimes hard to see you're making improvements or changes as quickly as you want to. But um, I, I do think it was the right choice for me. And, um, you know, the role is, is ever evolving. So if I talk to you in three months from now, it will probably be different. Um, and that, I think, is important to, to always be comfortable in because the way I look at it is if you're standing still, you're, you're not moving. And we have to be moving as a retail organization. If we aren't changing, and if there isn't chaos, then there's something wrong. Mm, um, so, <laughs> so yeah, the first uh, the first ninety days have been intense, but um, good learning experience, and I'm excited for more because it's it's continuing to change.
1: And, and how important was it that, uh, or I should say, what from your managing of a team did you carry through into this role from the the prior two roles?
0: Uh, so that's a great question. So I, from managing a team, again, it comes back to what I learned out the gate. It's about listening and it's about kind of hearing everyone because everyone's got a different goal they have in mind for themselves. And some people don't really know what their goal is. And then, you know, you, you have to just kind of hear where people are coming from, observe and listen and take a lot in before you make your own assumptions. And um, that's really what I brought into the role is just kind of trying to hear everybody's side because I'm not the expert. I need to lean on the folks that have been there to help guide where I go because they have lived it and they know where the opportunities are. So it's my guess my first 90 days of leadership there has been a lot of intake and discovery and, and listening to understand where we need to be to be operationally effective.
1: Right. Got it. Nice. Uh, so we're going to dig into that a little bit more after the break. But uh, career path, in summary, looks like, again, when I think about your path, and now that I know a little bit more detail, uh, more than I knew before, seems like an amaz- amazing journey where the experiences always presented themselves, again, both directly and indirectly. But to be a, almost like a learning sponge in every position you've had has, has served you well because, look, it, pos- <laughs> it positioned you to have this epiphany of, wait a minute, I'm a, I'm a marketing ops uh, expert. I know it, all I need to know when it comes to dealing, not just marketing operations, but within the context of retail and e-commerce. So you're creating this you know, expert level masterclass of information uh, over your time in, in these positions. Plus, I love the fact that you've been at two companies or three companies, excuse me, two companies for almost 10 years each, which goes against, yeah. I think the common... Uh, mindset with all, probably a lot of people you've worked with and, and have hired have all embraced yeah. the in and out it's 18 months to 24 months. And then I'm on to my next thing, but doesn't have to be that way. doesn't have mm-hmm. to be that way. Cool. Yeah, absolutely not. So, uh, good stuff on the path. And we're gonna take a quick break, come back with digging into day in the life. This episode of the marketing Careers podcast is sponsored by hrefs Webmaster Tools. Now, as marketers, we know that knowledge is power when it comes to finding ways to, to grow your business. And every marketer has their favorite tool to get that intelligence, to get the insight, but it often comes with that hefty uh, or confusing pricing model. Now, if you're a marketer, you've heard of the tool, the SEO tool, Ahrefs, right? But you, did you know that they now offer access to their main site research products for free? All you need to do is go to ahrefs.com slash AWT, and you can access all the power of their site audit and site explorer tools for nothing, for free. So, uh, there's even a great walkthrough video. When you get there, I'll walk you through and tell you how to get started in, in minutes. Now, listen, this tool goes way beyond what you can get in Google search console and you're unlocking insights for your site that will help you be successful, be more competitive. And listen, the HRS webmaster tools aren't just for the SEO team, right? So the content marketing team are going to use this tool to find the right trending topics, key terms, Understand how to drive more traffic of the right traffic to your web content. Social media teams can identify which content is actually getting the most earned media and engagement. So, hey, the marketing manager, right? It's time to empower your teams. Let them start making more strategic decisions with hrefs for free. And remember, listen, hrefs. you don't have to be an SEO pro to rank higher and get more of the right traffic. So get started right now at HREFs.com forward slash AWT. That's A-H-R-E-F-S.com slash A W T. Now let's get back to the episode. Denise, let, let's start here. So in your role currently for Rite Aid, director of marketing and ops, how would you how would you describe what you do? Because again, like you said before, marketing and ops is a lot of things. But how would you describe mm-hmm. what you do in your role in three sentences or less?
0: Oh boy! Three sentences are less. Um, I de- I develop process and redevelop process and redevelop process again. So that would be my first sentence. Um, my, you know, uh, I am working cross functionally to understand the needs of the business and what we need to create as a marketing ops organization to sustain the pace that we're at now. So I would say that's, that's my second observation. Mm -hmm. And my third is I am an octopus and I have eight arms and at all times I have my eight arms on something else. So every day is a little bit different and it's, it's, it's very um, much all hands on deck and picking up a lot of pieces with eight different arms every day. (laughs)
1: I love it. And in those three sentences, I have a great picture of what it is that you're doing. Um, You know, having worked with marketing ops before, and I think our audience has a good uh, picture of that too. But, um, you know, you you, you hit a couple of things, cross-functional, multitasking. And what's interesting is a lot of our members have recently, I I think just from from my conversations, where there are marketers that can't figure out what they want to do. And the reality is they're probably going to be good at marketing ops. Why? Because they love the challenge, and uh, they may not have picked up any mm-hmm. specific deep skill. Not that they don't want to, but they enjoy mostly the multitasking and working cross-functionally, and definitely working with other individuals. And like you said, uh, different personalities, whether big or small. Uh, right. So for those listening, where you're saying, like, wait a minute, marketing ops might be a path for me. Yes, you know, lean into that uh, because chances are you have the skills necessary to get in and contribute. Immediately, uh, and I'll, and, mm-hmm. and we'll talk more about kind of what goes into that day to day there. But you know that just struck me as something just to underscore is that you probably are a good marketing ops candidate if you're listening, saying to yourself, "Wait a minute, I could do that." Yes. So look at that as a as a potential yeah. path. Um, so I know when it comes to day in the life, especially in marketing, yeah. no day is the same, no week is the same. In some cases, no month is the same, and. Yeah. You're, like you said before, you're in the intersection between healthcare and retail and e-commerce, where it's almost like a new language that one has to learn. But if you had to generalize the tasks that you do in a given week, uh, and again, be specific, because again, our listeners operate in some of these environments already, what is it that you do cross-functionally, let's say, in a given week?
0: Sure. So, you know, on a given week, I'm working with a lot of different partners across the organization to understand what the creative needs are, what the timelines are that we're like going to be launching campaigns, and then understanding how we're prioritizing all of it, you know, as an as a company. So um, on, you know, most days, I could say this week alone, I've, you know, worked on what is our, you know, September, October plan. And we're even talking about how are we going to build out January and February and beyond and trying to get our timelines, um, you know, aligned so that we can hit all of those milestones. And so it's about prioritizing what's the biggest win for the business. So priorities is a big piece process every single day there. You know, marketing ops is a relatively new concept in a lot of businesses because, a lot of co- companies are saying there are pieces that we need to build a foundation internally before we can even hand off to our agency partners or or to align with a creative organization. There's so many pieces of digital marketing have sort of thrown creative operations too up in the air of like now how m- there's so many platforms to account for. How do you synchronize all of them? So I spend a lot of my day, like I said in my my one sentence, I build process, then I rebuild it. And I rebuild it again, and I probably rebuild it a fourth time during the week. And I have to constantly remind myself that that's okay. Um, Some would probably beg to differ and say, just have the process done, and it should be baked. But honestly, it can't because the other piece of what I'm doing is working across the entire organization and intaking everybody's needs. So I have to flex um, uh, and the team has to flex too, to make sure we're satisfying everybody, not just uh, like specific areas. So we're just constantly reinventing. I, I anticipate by the end of this calendar year, we will definitely have a uh, a, a bigger foundation now that we're, I'm discovering what everybody needs. So um, it, it, it's, it's constantly evolving. So it's constantly changing process, prioritization. And, you know, I think the other piece I would say is we have a a, a new brand um, sort of ethos that has been out for about a year for Rite Aid. And um, it's just the beginning for us. So I'm handling every day the process piece and um, the the business planning. i um, looking at you know where we are today in our tactical marketing um, initiatives and digital marketing. If we're we're talking about Fourth of July or we're talking about the COVID um, vaccine, um, and then on the other hand, I'm also looking at brand marketing and. How are we continuing to build out brand um, and making people even look at us as a destination? So, every day is sort of this juggle too between the performance marketing side of things and your push and pull channels, but then also who the heck we are as yeah. a brand and, and wow. how are we going to tell everybody all the amazing stuff we're doing? So, it's a real hybrid of a lot of things um, because the business is changing. So, um, yeah. Hopefully that gives a good snapshot of oh sure of what the yeah, the it, twister is every day. I, sometimes it feels <laughs> like I'm in that movie, right? And it's like this funnel cloud, but it's a good funnel cloud. It's sure. like a funnel cloud that's instead of wiping out a town, I look at it as cleaning up a mess.
1: Nice. So <laughs> I like that. But it sounds like I mean, two things that come to mind when when hearing more about that average week, it's there's a lot of diplomacy that's required. So it's because because you're representing, like you said, you can't favor any one department over another because you've got to be you know diplomatic mm-hmm. from the sense of making sure everyone's voice is heard because like you're controlling process, so there's got to be uh, I can't favor just one. Sure. Uh I can't favor just the loudest, just the loudest voice. Um, but then project management also sounds like is that something that rolls up? Is that is that what your team is doing as yes. well? Project manager. Okay
0: project management for the, the marketing kind of priorities and, and, um, much of right now we are a lean team right now. Um, you know, the, this brand new role and brand new, um, kind of a little part of the organization. So we're, we're very small, but mighty and, um, have our project management mostly focused on the creative operations piece of it. Um, and the prior, the business prioritization, but, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of diplomacy. It's a lot of project management and it's a, it's a lot of hearing a lot of different voices and uh, perception or let's say points of view on whose is more important. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: now your team members the, the, or the team that you're growing, like you said before, you, you've hired some people, you're going to be hiring some more people. Yeah. Um, their, their core function is like you said, the project management, creative operations. When you say creative operations, does that mean making sure that for a particular, let's say, performance marketing team member, they need to make sure they use the right asset guideline spec when developing their their assets for their specific channel?
0: Yeah, it's a lot of also, um, I would say, it, it even starts at a more granular level of writing, what is the brief? What are we saying? We're trying to accomplish, and really getting at the genesis of that. Of like, that's the start of everything. And then we have guidelines, and we have um, you know specs and and templates, and and all kinds of guides about what the creative looks like. But a lot of the project management piece is making sure that we're delivering through the creative on the marketing goals. Um, you know, is this asset that we're creating for um, you know a, a COVID campaign? are we communicating effectively through that content how urgent it is that people go if if they believe it that to get a vaccine or to 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 stay healthy or to you know there's always sort of an action in there so our our role is to to understand the marketing purpose the objective and get to intake the goals and needs of the different business um, channels and then deliver on them through the right content, the right messaging um, so that it, the customer just gets this really integrated experience and looks we look cohesive as a company.
1: And when you describe it like that, I can tell you right now, there's people in the audience that are saying, oh my gosh, that makes complete sense because I know a ton of brands that don't have that, or it appears that they don't yeah. have that because it's multiple logos, multiple messages. Now there's a, there's a way to do it, but some brands just don't get that. But again, for organizations like a Rate Aid or like a company uh, at that size that has all those different tentacles of messaging, absolutely, you want to have yeah. some sort of operations control. Um, so I want to dig yeah. into the fact that you're, you're you're fresh, you know, almost outside of your, your or outside of your ninety day window. But digging deeper into your first ninety days, again, we talk about we talk about that within our content with our community about how impactful and how critical. Those first ninety days are because of uh no matter who you are, no matter what marketing role you're stepping into, you have you know really ninety days because a lot of times you're hired and that's your probationary period depending on your level mm-hmm. but you have ninety days to really figure things out, you know you know uh share your voice uh do some discovery like you said so I guess from your perspective of having been in ninety day cycles and having hired people in ninety day cycles. Maybe speak to the marketer who's you know in that entry level, junior level position, what do they need to know about that is most critical to operate in a ninety day window, the first ninety days of a role?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the most important things that you need to understand and what I tried to get myself grounded on is what is the company trying to achieve? So regardless of what we're being asked for um, in our specific role, what ultimately is the is the the goal of the company, and you know if and if you have that, I, I kind of always have that in the back of my head, and I encourage people to to spend time learning about the brand and, and do their research, um, because if you understand where we're headed, you can use that as the lens you put everything else through, and to, to sort of know from a right perspective, we're about creating this um, new concept of traditional and alternative health kind of coming together versus your traditional drugstore. It's like everything you need in one place. And, um, you know, it it doesn't, it's, it's, it it can be the the great stuff that you want. um, Like a, you know, Doritos, you're going to come in, you might get your Doritos and and a candy bar. But by the way, you know, right next to it or right down the other aisle, there's this amazing new you know, protein chip that we might be able to offer you. And, you know, um this this amazing uh you know holistic kind of candy that we're we're that's brand new and being introduced. So to me it's like know who your customer is, know what the company's ultimate you know perspective is on who they want to be. And it kind of helps to get where you're going. So my my advice is just sit down, do your research, learn you will probably get a million things thrown at you. But I think if you have a foundation to understand what we're trying to achieve, it'll take you further than you probably think it would.
1: And, and that's a great mindset to embrace kind of getting into it. Now, what's the most impactful action somebody can take in their first 90 days? What's the, the thing that lets somebody know, hey, this person really is in it to win it. And they're showing that in the first 90 days.
0: Get to know your counterparts, understand them, reach out. I always encourage people to do a lot of onboarding. And while it might be a pain on calendars and it might feel slow, do a lot of onboarding because especially, I will say, you know, Rite Aid has gone to a virtual corporate um, world. So I'm, you know, not going to have the luxury, nor do a lot of people from, you know, being in a pandemic and working from home to meet everybody the way I would in the past, right? You know, I would you'd walk down the hall and you'd meet somebody new, or you'd get introduced to somebody on your first day. You're going to have to sort of be your own guide. So get to know the people you're working with, understand how they tick, um, and understand how to communicate with them. Because what I find more than anything is you can be amazing at your job. You can be the smartest person in the room, but if you can't communicate effectively. Then it's just you're 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 losing the battle. So I encourage people to spend a lot of time getting to know how their counterparts work, and what's the best way to function as a team.
1: Right. And I've seen long-lasting friendships start from somebody really getting outside their comfort zone in those first ninety days to not 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 be a friend with someone in the marketing department. No, marketers join and they become friends with someone in engineering or someone in product or someone in HR. Um, yeah. just because they went outside of their comfort zone and didn't realize the power and the impact of, of, you know, kind of, uh, proactively looking to learn more about other people you'd be working with. Good, good yeah. advice.
0: So, Another thing I would say to you, not to, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off is, um, Ask questions. I always I'm that person who you hated probably would have hated me in school. And and I know we have friends in common, they'll probably tell you this is the most annoying quality um, that I have is I ask a lot of questions. And you gotta be okay with asking the tough questions because I always say 90% of the people, 95% of the people, if not more, in the room, don't know the answer. You're helping everyone. I ask a lot of questions that probably people go, is this chick crazy? um but but um be honest i'm 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 coming off vulnerable um I'm, I'm recognizing that i don't know everything and i'm encouraging everybody to help me learn um and so ask as many questions as possible because you're also challenging years of of things people have just done versus do we need to do them anymore and it's especially in a a operations role that's critical because you're going to uncover a lot of things that are going to make that you're going to you're going to challenge is that sort of legacy thinking is that things that we can't be doing anymore is there a better way to do it so ask lots of questions
1: right i remember i hired somebody and on his first day i said hey anything else i can do for you and he apologized saying listen just to let you know i'm going to i'm going to be acting like a 3 year old for the next couple of weeks and i said what do you mean by that he said i'm just going to be asking why to everything that you and other people tell me uh, just so I can best understand where I can provide some impact, so I, I 100% agree because it it's all those things. Plus, it's hey, look, this person's actually being thorough, um, which leads by my next yeah. question. Leads to my next question, which is when it comes to asking questions. Listen, I've been turned down for roles because I was told I asked too many questions in an interview. So let's go to the interview <laughs> prospect here because. Ah, uh, you're someone who's been ex- exposed to the interview process for marketing positions a ton through your career. So, I definitely want to hear your tips and advice because um, there's just so many things I think flawed with the the marketing interview process. So, let's yeah. ask some experts on for those that are preparing for interviews coming up or thinking about getting uh, looking for that job. Top three tips or or top tips that yeah. you want every marketer if you could if you could um, if you had a magic power where every marketing person who interviewed for a marketing role would do this in the interview, what would that
0: be? Yeah, I would, um, make sure you come to the interview and know your audience and I would know the company. Um, the last thing that I want is to ever interview somebody who hasn't done their in, in research about um, the business and what they're potentially trying to come into. Um, that's, that's, that's definitely a, a showstopper for me. If somebody doesn't take the time to, to really understand the environment and and where you, the business has been and where it's headed. So that's, that would be one. Um, the second would be, I always really respond to, to, um, Vulnerability and people asking or being willing to share experiences where something kind of stunk. Um, I have a lot of them. And I think that's also helped to give me a perspective that not everything's going to be a, a home run. I mean, this is so elementary, but like, you know, we have to be willing in marketing to take a risk. And you're going to learn something every time, as silly and Pollyanna as that might sound. But Bad, you know, bad results are still good results in my eyes because you learned what to do or what not to do. Now, did you spend a lot of money doing it? Maybe not, you know, the best thing to talk about. But I do think there's so many things that we um, we learn through failing. And gosh, I mean, God, I fail every day. I mean, we all do. And if you you don't, you're lying to yourself. Um, so I think being willing to to be vulnerable is number two. And, you know, I think the other thing I'd say is, yourself like I want to also get a sense when I'm interviewing somebody who you are I want to understand what you know what why are you passionate about this role you know be honest with me if you don't know that this is the that that you are not 100% sure where you want to be in your career because I think everybody is like that and so if you're have an open mind going into it um To me, it shows that you are definitely a candidate who's willing to sort of be molded to, right? Um, Again, a a really great leader I had once said, and he probably is listening to this too, um, he said that he'd rather have people who are hard workers than the smartest people in the room. And I will 100%, I am not the smartest person in the room. I will never tell you I'm the smartest, but I will be the hardest worker you can imagine I'll always do my best and I will learn as I go. So I, I love people who are willing to sort of be honest about where they are and where they, they're not sure they want to be and that they're they're ready for kind of, you know, whatever adventure you're going to throw their way. And it, to me, that, that just is great leader of self to know you don't know what you don't know.
1: Exactly. So so true in terms of hiring hard workers. And, and I think that's where a lot of marketers get, get lost, is they think they have to be the expert, no matter what the level of the role is, thus it keeps them from being vulnerable. And they they probably missed their mm-hmm. shot and they they probably overprepared if that's even possible. And over you know, uh, I guess got in their own head and caused themselves to not show who they are. Um now when it comes to the uh interviewing. What, if you can remember, of all the interviews that you've been in as the hiring manager or part of the hiring process, mm-hmm. the best question that you were asked? Now, maybe it's not common, but maybe the one that maybe you know you were taken aback by, but were like, huh, that's actually a pretty good question. Does anyone jump out to you as yeah. the best question asked?
0: Yeah, and I've stolen it 100 times over, and I've <laughs> used it every time I interview anybody. <laughs> um, I always ask, what is your favorite brand? And why? Um, it was asked of me, this was years ago. And when the question was posed to me, I I was kind of like, oh boy, I don't know. I don't know what to answer. Like, do I have to answer something? Like, do I have to say it's this brand that I'm interviewing for? Like, what am I supposed to say? And the, really what I later on after I got hired for the position, I, I asked, um, you know, why did you ask that question? It said, you know, what, number one, it helps, it makes me understand if you can think on your feet. And it also makes me understand what kind of marketer you might be, because you come to the table with a point of view on on what makes something tick for you, right? Right. And that's truly like uh, my number one. I'll always tell people like I I love the brand Athleta, and I love it because I embody it, and I I feel like it gives me a feeling that I'm powerful. So, like if you're getting something like that, and you can articulate it to me, means that you understand what that company's trying to deliver, their promise on, and you can easily kind of um, do anything in marketing. And and some of the answers I've gotten have not gotten to the, have, have not hit the nail on the head. You know, I, I, I like their website. I, 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 they're cheap. Like those are not (laughs) the things I'm looking for. I'm looking for, what is the, what are you taking away from that brand? It makes you want to come back and there has to be some sort of selling proposition they're putting in front of you. And that to me is like quintessentially like the marketer in you comes out when you answer that question.
1: I love that because I, I remember being asked that question before, thinking on my feet with a, a, a brand that I that I truly did appreciate. wasn't a customer yet, but I articulated all the reasons why I enjoyed their their branding. Um, but I think that's such a critical question for marketers to understand because, like you said, it's such a good way to get a read on a marketer's mindset. Like, how do they think about a brand? Do they pull out the unique value propositions and understand all those things? And it may not even be for a branding role, but again, you know, marketers tick in a certain way. And I think that's a, a great question anyone listening should be prepared to answer or yeah. ask if you're interviewing. I always tell when when working with with members and clients I just who are interviewing for marketing roles, I say, when you're asked this question, what's your favorite brand? Uh, try not to say Red Bull and try not to say Facebook <laughs> and try not to say the top three, four brands everyone picks. Yeah. The reality is like everyone knows of a brand. You just got to think about it first. And it could be that obscure brand that only you know about, but you have a reason why. Yeah. So last question here of all the things we talked about, again, it's the career moments episode. What would you say would be the most defining career moment of your career?
0: Oh, wow. See, I'm going to have to think on my feet for that one. (laughs) Um, The most defining moment of my career was... (sighs) Gosh, it, honestly, it was the day that I walked into QVC and I learned that I didn't know as much as I thought I did about marketing. And it was a very humbling, humbling experience. I also, I I, I worried, will I survive here? And it was, it was like that mental game you play with yourself. And I, I vowed at that moment that I was going to figure it out, that I was going to understand it and... By the time I had finished my career, if I was, whenever I decided to move to something else, that I would have understood it. And I, I truly think that was a pivotal moment because it made me realize that I'm not going to walk in the door and know everything the first day. It's going to take a while to figure it out and I need to be patient. And you know what? It just, it it, it, it humbles you yep. and, and you have to, you have to really lean on other people. So to me, who'd always been an overachiever, who's always been somebody who's like wants to be number one. Um, I wasn't number one out the door. I had to like learn and really take everything in before I could really understand it. And that was hard, but it was a real pivotal moment because I think it set the tone for every new role I've taken on. And any, even this jump to Rite Aid, um, it's been remember you can't figure it out in like a week. Mm -hmm. It's not, it, it takes months. Give yourself grace, give yourself time and rest on what you do know. And, and the rest will kind of come easy. It's really not as hard as we all make it. It's just really being willing to step back and, and listen. I guess that's the moral of the story I learned.
1: Uh, and I love it because I, I know that there's a lot of marketers that are probably saying the same thing at that similar pivotal moment where it was the, the day they realize, oh, wait a minute, uh, I, I I didn't know that. Or the fake till you make it catches up to you and you realize, sure. I, I actually have to figure this out. Uh, but it's great that it's been so inspiring to you because it, like you said, it's fed into every role that you've had since then so that you yeah. calmed yourself down, developed a plan, whatever it takes to to consume what's necessary to, to beef up in a certain area. But I think that's a, uh, a very great defining career moment. All right. So, Denise, where can our audience connect with you if they want to learn more about um, yourself, your experience in marketing ops? Maybe they're considering a move into marketing ops. Uh, what, what's the best place they can reach you?
0: For sure. Um, uh, you know, I encourage anybody reach out to me on LinkedIn, connect with me, um, shoot me a message. I'm that person who will respond to you. Um, just so you know. And like, I, I love to, to just always kind of, I feel like a wise owl in my career now, even though I'm, you know, not that wise. I just more of an owl. Um, I feel like I, I can shed a lot of, light on some things that maybe other people find challenging. So shoot me a note through LinkedIn and um, we'll connect and happy to help anybody along. Um, Rite Aid is going to be growing exponentially, I think, in in the next few months and specifically um, across marketing. So we are a remote organization too. That's been a huge thing for us to be able to, to get talent from anywhere and to really build our talent pool. So um, I encourage people, if if you think marketing ops might be for you, or you just don't even know what you want to do, feel free to reach out because um, I was in the same place and took a long time, but I'm willing to to lend an ear and and some advice to anybody who wants to listen.
1: Awesome. I I love that. So we're definitely going to share links in the show notes. And I don't know about you listening, those listening, but I heard... Uh, potential marketing role available with a company with the the size of Rite Aid and the brand of Rite Aid with the transformation going on at Rite Aid that's remote. Interesting. So I think Denise is someone you definitely want to connect with if all those things align with what you've lined up for the next step in your marketing career. So Denise, I really appreciate it. Great insights. Again, love digging into uh, your background. A lot of good things to take away. Uh, I appreciate your time and uh, best of luck at Rite Aid.
0: Thank you. It was
1: great. I appreciate it, Eric. All right. A big thanks to Denise for joining the podcast today. Listen, I think there's a couple of you out there that actually are interested in a marketing ops role at this point. Good stuff there. Now, a couple of takeaways I heard from Denise's interview here. Listen, you want that dream job? Be the nudge of all nudges, as we heard Denise say. Uh, stay in touch with those HR folks. Stay in touch with your contacts at those companies. You never know when there's an opportunity that's going to open up. Interviewing tips. Prepare by knowing the company knowing your interview audience and knowing the company's audience. Uh, Good ways to get directed on how to prepare for that. Best question to ask or to be prepared to be asked for a marketing role, what is your favorite brand and why? And uh, you don't wanna use Red Bull or Facebook there. First 90 days in your role, meet with a ton of people, meet with a lot of your um, coworkers in different roles and different departments and ask a lot of thoughtful questions. Uh, That's a good way to get to know folks. Now, you want to get promoted, we heard Denise say, be your own advocate, be direct, you got to ask, otherwise, uh, no one's going to look out for you there. All good stuff to consider there with Denise. Now, if you have questions about the next steps in your marketing career, you email us at connect at marketinghelp.co. We'd love to help you out, love the questions that are coming in, keep them coming. Now, until the next episode, this is your host, Eric Harbison, reminding you, what can you do today to advance your marketing career?